All right, we are recording with Jason McCreary, and I, I guess I pronounced that right. Does that sound good? It's good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever said it out loud to myself, except for in my head before. Yeah, some some people do J-Mac. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I had that nickname for such a long time. Right. I, I, I respond to it, but of course I respond to my real name as well. <laughs> It I is funny, the, though. Every now and then, some people don't put the two together. Like you're someone else? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe. I, I, I feel like I was listening to another podcast, and they kind of like referenced Shift. And then there were, somebody on the podcast was like, yeah, J-Mac. And the other guy was like, Jason McCreary? And I was like, <laughs> I was kind of laughing. I was like, uh, same I hope person. they know that's the same person. That's great. I had the nickname Fido growing up for decades. Nice still trails me if i ever go back home it's still there nice but i don't go to telling people that really where, <laughs> where is, where's like home home then connecticut um oh, okay. grew up in near waterbury connecticut and okay. now i'm in san antonio which is a big move but I knew like you were in six Texas years now, ago yeah. Yeah. yeah where are you right now i don't remember either i'm in louisville uh kentucky been oh. been here this is where I'm from now. I did live in New York, I guess, technically Hoboken, uh, for probably about three years. And then mm -hmm. I moved back. Cool. I didn't know you were in Kentucky. I had no idea. For some reason, I pictured you in the East Coast somewhere. I, I was in New York for a while, maybe maybe at the very, very beginning of my Laravel career, so to speak. Right on. Okay. So I'm going to do this first thing, which I always fail to do so far in my other episodes so far. So I'm talking to Jason McCreary. He's created Laravel Shift. Laravel Shift is an application that helps you update your Laravel applications. I guess every update is to the next major version, right? There's no kind of minor version updates. No, not, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're getting weird with like semantic versioning, then then yes, there were <laughs> quote unquote minor version updates for like the Laravel 5 series, but Laravel officially adopted semantic versioning at six, so that's why we go six, seven, eight, nine now. Okay, man, I have so many questions about how this works. But okay, so can you just really quickly talk about the maybe timeline history of it and then when you became full time on it? Yeah, uh, so Shift was launched on December 23rd, uh, 2015. So this December will be seven years. So we're closer to six years right now, but seven years I'll be. Um, since I launched Shift, it coincided with the Laravel 5.2 release, I believe. And it was right after I met Taylor at a PHP conference, and I had given a talk on upgrading the major versions of Laravel at the time. That was Laravel 4.2 to Laravel 5.0. And I remember after the talk, I was kind of like, hey, man, do you know any scripts that like do this? Or have you built anything? Or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, but I'd use that. So like at the conference hackathon that night or whatever, I was like hacking away on these scripts to like Neat. show them and get his feedback on while we were all there at the conference. Cool. So did you have, you didn't really have the idea for the app ahead of time when you asked him those questions or did you kind of have that in the back of your head? Not really. The only idea I had of the script in general was the fact that, you know, I've, I've been running PHP for 20 years now, so I've been around the block when it comes to frameworks prior to Laravel. So, you know, CodeIgniter, of course, but then even before that, like CakePHP, early versions of Symfony, like I've definitely tried things out. And I remember Cake specifically, as well as working on like things like Magento, they came with scripts 
that would kind of help you patch or update the project. It wouldn't do everything, but like, it was just kind of a nod to like, here's this thing you can run that kind of helps you, you know, stay up to date. And that's, that's kind of what prompted the question with Taylor was just that I had seen it in other frameworks and, and packages or libraries inside of, of uh, the PHP community. So I was just curious if he had anything like that. Cause I was, I was super new to Laravel. Like I was freelancing at the time for some web agencies around town. They had been using Laravel and they were all on four two. And I just thought, Oh, if I had these scripts, like, you know, I could like, you know, multiply my capacity by just running these tools. Right. Neat. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I've always wondered how shift works. Like, is it like a new set of scripts for every major version or is there, is it like kind of a lot of manual creation of, of that kind of stuff or it, you know, again, shift being six years old now it's evolved and matured, I guess you could say over time. So I would say until about Laravel 5.4, each thing was its own individual script, like its own individual PHP script. And it was, it was very PHP scripty. Like it was not object oriented. It was a bunch of functions and like a helper file. It, it called out the shell commands through exec and all sorts of stuff. Yes. Very, very beautiful. So (laughs) once I realized it was going to keep going, you know, with five, five, and definitely once I went full time on it, I kind of turned that into a little bit more of an object oriented engine type pipe and filter sort of pattern that made it a lot easier to build new shifts because you could start leveraging. If you think of something like carbon, it's kind of like this, you could argue some might say and call it a God class. Like it's just got everything in this class, right? Like carbon yesterday and now and the formatter and all this stuff, it's all in one class. Shift has a very similar thing. I took all those crazy functions that I had and put them in what is a facade effectively for shift. And so I can call things like shift find files, uh, shift, determine namespace, shift, you know, get file contents, all these things that I can mock and make it a little easier to test because mm-hmm. it's a facade just like you use in Laravel. So it really took shape probably at 5.5. Five, and from there, the base structure of every shift uses that kind of task engine pipe filter kind of pattern. Cool. All right. So for, so for things like you have to update composer dependencies, can you reuse that between versions or is have to, do you have to tweak it each time to say like, all right, now it's version, you know, level nine and level nine has this specific version of like the collision package or something. Yeah. There's actually a public repo out there that I maintain it's under shifts GitHub. Uh, but basically it's like a package registry and it kind of has the versions that shift uses for those types of things it gets automated of course it gets automatically updated but like for the most part that registry is just kind of this internal thing i track so -hmm. the code can stay dynamic but it'll it'll ask that registry like hey what are the um dependencies for 9.x and that that little package will give it back all right so you found ways to automate stuff so it's not so much manual work between each yeah there are still some things right I got to imagine there's some manual work between each major version, depending on, you know, what's changed. We definitely create kind of the framework for the the major version. So like Laravel 9, of course, gets its own task classes. So it has a class called dependencies that will do all the updates. But that code inside of there is 
is probably 90% copied from the Laravel 8 shift, which is 90% copied from the mm -hmm. Laravel 7 shift. Mm -hmm. So they look very similar. And, and there are some opportunities where we use things like traits to, to share that work. But for the most part, I'm not against copy pasting because I've found over the years, just like how it started, there will be variations between the code. So it's, it's just easier to do that than to try to over-architect like this perfectly dynamic every version logic you know yeah i couldn't imagine that being <laughs> an easy thing to do or even possible yeah i just i just copy paste the class it's right. it's so easy cool. so it's awesome okay so you and jesse work out of this is jesse kind of like a co-founder or what's that like i brought jess on probably uh, i want to say like 2019 maybe 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 even early 2019 and at first it was kind of just a contract thing like Hey, I got this extra work. Like you're, you know, excited about Laravel, really hungry. Like she had reached out to me when I launched base code about like the audio version of the book. Like I made like mm -hmm. something where I kind of read the book and of course it wasn't released with the early access. So she was like one of the first people that emailed me and was like, Hey, where's the audio version. Right. And we just kind of got the chatting and uh, she had some questions about shift and, and yeah, so I just started contracting her. And then I think, either 2019 or 2020 when I had already been full-time on shift for about a year at that point, And I could forecast its revenue a little bit better. Like I could see that it was still growing and I felt comfortable with it supporting me. Then I kind of talked to her about like a monthly retainer. So she's basically on a monthly retainer. Cool. That's awesome. Cause it seems like you both combined are doing a lot of really good work for that. I mean, I mean, you do some work in public stuff, right? With, with your podcast and there's some screencasts or streams, I should say. Yeah, I try to do some live streams. Those are honestly a little more for me with mm -hmm. Izzy now. Like, it's a good way for me to just focus for an hour and kind of force myself to get back into it by kind of turning the camera on and, and doing it live. You know, it might be something I've thought about in my head ahead of time, but like, it, it's nice to just kind of have the code, you know, close the door, turn on the camera and just and just kind of jump in and see how far I get because that yeah. might be the only hour I can focus <laughs> during right. the day, you know. For sure, man. I miss having a multi-story house or even basements. I moved to Texas like six years ago. There's no basements anywhere here. And the house we got is one story. So like I can't yeah. get away from the kids. <laughs> so everything that has to do with recording is like carefully timed out or risky. I'm in the I'm in the basement, uh, but like Izzy's like room is like diagonal above right there, me. So yeah. I, I can't be too loud. <laughs> but but yeah, no, Jess actually did partner. We did partner on the workbench. So it has a revenue share of like oh. profits. So that's, that's actually like a kind of a true partnership is that one specific piece of shift, the desktop app. Cause okay. I'm just not that I never really kept up with front end tech. So I really leveraged her to build, to build like the view front end for that. And then I kind of focused on the back end Node.js aspects of, of all that it's built with Electron. So you can, of course, use, you know, web technologies for it. But I was a little more familiar with, with Node and building applications from my iOS work years ago. But like, again, knew nothing of Vue. So she helped, you know, with that. Cool. Okay. So what is Workbench? Because I have seen it, but I've not dug in to figure out like what exactly it is. Yeah, I kind of, that's something I realized and want to focus more on this year. I kind of realized that we built so much in 2020 with kind of like, the COVID shutdown, you know, that I realize I've done kind of a poor job of, of talking about all the services, you know, shift has now. So everybody knows like the Laravel 
upgrade shifts, but there, there are other shifts that can do things like modernize your code base or generate tests or generate CI. And like, then we kind of took all those tasks again with this new kind of object model of these tasks, we were in a place where after building all these shifts, there were some of these tasks that people might want to run in isolation. So like you might want to run the dependency updater that we have in Laravel 9 for a package. You know, you might just want to run it generally after six months of a release, right? So we took all those and we put them in the workbench. And at first it was just the cloud thing. And you can think of it much like a build your own shift. Like it has about 60 different tasks. You can throw them together. It has things like adopting, you know, converting switch to match, adopting latest Laravel conventions like anonymous migrations, or maybe removing the down method from migrations. It has like formatting tools beyond what a formatter would do. So things like, um, let's say you want to adopt snake case for all your tests. Like we have something for, for that, right? Like that wouldn't necessarily be something an IDE would do. So we're kind of filling that gap of like things that we've written plus things that we want that aren't really out there. And the yeah. workbench is our medium to offer that. So it's kind of like a standalone shift that's very custom to how you build that. And it got enough traction where we thought, let's make this closer to the developer. Like the experience of going out and logging in and you know issuing a PR might, might be too much friction there. So we thought, okay, well, if we could put it on your desktop, like that might just be something that you have in the background when you're when you're kind of doing like a refactor Friday, so to speak, and you can just sit there and click these tasks and you can figure out how you want to commit them and which pieces you want to use. Like we're just going to run it like really close to the metal, so to Neat. speak. Okay, that makes sense. So will it update like a major version at all or is it just the task that's do specific things? Right now, it's just the tasks. So there are probably, I think there's like 63 of them now. We're actually during March and April, we kind of committed ourselves to focusing on those now that the Laravel 9 release is down. So we've just added like five more in the last few days. So nice. there's definitely over 60 tasks. Currently, you can't run a upgrade, a traditional shift from it, but that's something I want to build before Laravel 10. Okay, neat. So I guess because I just again I think I think having that experience close to the developer and and where they are already writing code you know in their IDE or whatever like on their local machine like again it just gets rid of those few extra frictional steps of like going in signing into GitHub you know some people don't want to share permissions some people have organizations where they then have to request you know certain levels of access from the organization like it's just get rid of that friction. Okay, so that is an Electron app. Runs locally, doesn't do commits, but it'll change your code for you, and then you decide how to do that yourself, which sounds yeah up developers alley. <laughs> yeah, it performs all the automation that you want it to perform, um, and then from there on, you're kind of in control. So, some people like that. Some people love the PRs from Shift. So, you know, we're hoping to kind of beef out that side of it too, where maybe there's an option where it it auto, you know, makes a PR for you or something. Mm. I'm in the camp of liking the PRs. The PRs and yeah. shift I find are extremely nice. <laughs> like a oh, great yeah. explanation of what's happened and like why the change has been made. And then like, oh yeah, you might want to check out this to like, you know, do the, the, the last 1% that might need to be done by hand. The, the funny thing is like, I, I've learned over the years, almost immediately of launching shift, that that's the thing that people like. Like even I always thought when like I couldn't automate something, it was kind of a failure that I had to leave a compliment or, or, or leave a, a comment. comment. But so many people have said like they 
they love those comments, like almost, almost to the point where they don't even care if it automates it or not. They kind of just like that custom upgrade guide that they get. Yeah, this is, this is a super interesting psychological thing. Because like it's the part that makes the person feel maybe empowered or like something yeah. like is unexpected and really nice. Like it still is actually giving you work. <laughs> like it's giving you a task to do know, sometimes. It's but it's like you, you feel really good about it. Like, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. This makes sense. Um, it's written clearly. So it's not like vague, you know, yeah. it's like it's nice. I think that, that that touches on something interesting. Yeah, it is. It is funny because, yeah, I, like I said, I look at it like a failure because my goal is you you send me the feedback email and says worked 100 percent. All I had to right. do was hit deploy. <laughs> and like but a lot of the feedback emails are like, oh, it's awesome. Love, love the comments. Had to change these three or four things, but it was great. Right. And I'm like, what were those three or four things? <laughs> Please they don't care. Me. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I'm trying to think if I ran into stuff that I had to change outside of the comments. I can't really remember any. The other thing is I don't I don't shift enough or like the release release cycles what every one year and maybe it's every two years now. Yeah, that was something I was really concerned about because there actually wasn't a release in 2021 because they kind of kept pushing it back, mm -hmm. not only to move to the annual release cycle now, but then they moved it back even farther to align with Symphony 6. So they are they are supposed to be at the moment anyway, yearly. So every year, probably in February, you know, with Laracon winter edition. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Because I realized I just said, wait, is it every two years? Then I'm like, oh, that sounds scary from a business perspective. <laughs> but every one year it, is fine, it seems like. It definitely worried me last year. And I, I, you know, I was joking, you know, Taylor and I have this ongoing joke of like the shift killer. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you, you actually built, you didn't even have to build the shift killer. You actually made the shift killer by right. moving the release out. So we were kind of teasing. And he was like, oh, you know, charge double or whatever. So it's like, <laughs> okay, thanks. Maybe you could. I mean, oh, it's I'm very sure I can charge priced. way more. That's that's a whole different podcast. But it's one of those things where, like, it, it's funny that um, you know. I guess it, it turned out okay. Is the long story short? Like, I, I was really worried when the releases came back, but now that Laravel nine released, uh, you know, I'm definitely on track to still keep the growth that I've had the last few years. So that's nice. that's very very exciting. That's good. Okay, there's not enough episodes released of this podcast yet for you to know, but Laravel's. Uh, kind of having a downward price pressure on the stuff inside of the Laravel community is a is a recurring theme so far in the episodes I've recorded. Yeah. Like specifically, Taylor prices stuff very reasonably, and as a result, I think a lot of stuff in the Laravel community tends to be priced more reasonably. You don't have, you don't see like the higher kind of inflated prices that you might see elsewhere. Yeah. So that that seems in line with Shift. That's also why like Chipper CI has been lower in price, like kind of below fifty bucks a month. Although I have plans to change that. And then, yeah. and then like also like i think what makes sense for shift to like kind of do the lower tiers although i think like even forage and stuff like that has grown in price over over time and i think it makes sense like for the business ecosystem side of laravel to also kind of like going to go up the, the quality of everything has been so high I, like it seems like it could and should and i bet people are willing to to pay for it i've i've never really met a a kind of upper limit for shift yet i mean i have increased the prices several times over the years and some of it's like an obvious increase like for unsupported versions of laravel for example mm -hmm. that's kind of where the pricing tier hits now but it's one of those things where i, I definitely could charge more and sure i'd lose a little bit of the customer base but i kind of like keeping it 
affordable because like somewhere in my mind that means more people are using it and, and more people are talking about it mm -hmm. and so far that's proven well and on top of which like i definitely want to live comfortably but i don't necessarily consider myself uh, greed's not a you know greed's not a, the right word but just materialistic where it's like the money money is everything to me i guess right at the point yeah growth you know, at all I, cost is not interesting yeah, exactly. Like I, I'd rather have growth and have people be like interested and happy with the product. I like your pricing model too. I really like the idea that older versions are more expensive to update than newer ones. That kind of yeah. like keeps people like, I don't know. I don't know how much like, like the price point is still low enough where like if I had an older Laravel, I would just be like, yeah, buy this one, buy this one, buy this one. But yeah, I don't know if I'm less press sensitive to that on that stuff than other people. It is there for motivation to like stay current, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to keep somebody from, from bumping up an LTS version. Like if that matters to them as an enterprise or, right. or a team or whatever, but yeah, I, I haven't really seen any pushback on the pricing. Like there's, there's still people in there buying the four, two shift and going all the way up to nine. So like, it's, it's not like people are deterred at all right. from paying for each version. So that's kind of where I want to be rather than someone saying, Oh, I upgraded manually to six and then I'm going to start running shift. Like I'd rather you just get in the ecosystem and, mm -hmm. and do it, you know? Yeah. Man, Laravel four. Imagine being on four. I'm sure it's There's there. still a lot of apps, man. <laughs> That's, people underestimate that stuff, but there, mm -hmm. I just upgraded a four, two app the other day with the, with the human shift to the consulting side of it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when, anytime a new version comes out, I, I get four or five of those that come out of the woodwork. Oh, we're finally going to do it now. Nice. You know? How so. have you seen? Okay. So I think, did you say it in, the, in one of these chat rooms where it's like, oh, there should be, or to be a good uh, market for like a human shift type thing? Someone yeah, said that. I, yeah. I tweeted that, I think last week when I was kind of finishing up that, that season of, of doing the consulting. Cause again, it, it, it happens a bunch. There's a spike in it when there is a release. And um, so coming off February, really for like the last month up until about a week ago, I mean, I was doing two or three of these a week. It was really taking up all my time. Right. And that doesn't scale obviously. Right. Cause it, it's just my time. Like it's not like shift where you're buying and I built it. It's done. Like I buy it when I sleep. It doesn't matter to me, mm -hmm. but the consulting side, I like doing it cause it lets me run shift. But at the same time, I really don't advertise it a whole lot because I, again, I just don't have the time to do many Right. And so there could, there could totally be a market like shift is a middleman market, right? Like if you, if you think about it, I, I'm just in the middle, like I don't build Laravel. I, I don't schedule the upgrades, but I'm here to kind of help you upgrade your application. It's, it's just a total market that's created sub market, like inside of Laravel. Right. The funny thing is now that shift is big enough and, and there's so many versions of Laravel now that like there could even be a sub market under shift of like, okay, I know how to use shift, like really awesome. Like I've watched some of JMAX live streams, like I'm a pro at it. And like, I'm going to use that to again, increase my capacity to, you know, go and be a Laravel consultant for old applications, right? I'm going to put that in my toolkit and, and kind of help me look good. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot, probably a lot of opportunity there. And um, yeah. I forget, maybe I was talking to Aaron Francis when you actually, after you tweeted that, I, I think I was talking to him about it and he was like, like on the Rails side of things, people charge a lot of money for updating old apps for as a consultant engagement. It was funny about I think it was pre-COVID and, and and right before we knew, you know, we were gonna have Izzy. But I actually reached out to DHH and I was like, hey, would 
do you feel rails would be receptive of something like shift here's here's a link to this thing i built for laravel and i'm really thinking of tackling another category and you know uh, the rails is the obvious choice for another kind of full stack web framework that has versions that you know could be automated and i remember reaching out to some rails consultants and just kind of understanding you know what they did for upgrading what they charged what was their and yeah, I mean, totally agree is the point. Like it, it, it's amazing. Like some of these people were charging like three or $400 an hour and, you know, 20 hours to upgrade. So, wow. Hey, keep charging that. But what if, what if you start trying out rail shift in the background? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, save them time, especially as like the base and then like the weird customizations that their client has done. Oh yeah. Like, how does that work out for you? Have you run into like weird customizations that shift can never possibly handle? And then you have to like do a bunch of work to to get the app running or are people kind of receptive to you getting like 75, 80% of the way and, and they have to take care of the rest? Most people are pretty receptive of the fact that they could, they're handed back an application that like composer install, you know, runs and artisan runs and they can take it from there. Cause they know all the, they know all their crazy customizations. They know all their features that are important or, or were maybe complex or maybe had some code that they weren't happy with. Like mm -hmm. they have that knowledge. So the, it's really a good pairing because, again, I handle all the things super efficiently related to the upgrade that felt really daunting to them. That wasn't their skill set. I give them something back that's running Laravel 9. Again, all the dependencies are compatible. Maybe there's some updates there. And I give them their own checklist. And they now, there's light at the end of the tunnel for them, right? Like mm -hmm. they now can see oh, okay, we're, we're on the latest version now. Now I'm going to go do all the things I wanted to do, you know, with the latest version of Laravel. Right. And I kind of take a back seat. Neat. Like so. I know that sparked a memory. I think the latest update I did was for the Chipper CI. I got it up to Laravel 7 because it was 6 and I still have to do 8 and 9. But after 7, I had extended some classes like the, the .m package that Laravel uses. Mm. I just extended it. It's already there. So I don't, I don't even define it as a dependency, uh, although technically maybe I should but I don't yeah. define it as a dependency, but I do use it. And But then it changed its API somewhat, so I had to go fix that. And of course, Shift couldn't have known that because that's like some custom part of my application. So I was wondering, like, I don't know if you ran into that kind of stuff with the consulting too, because that's like that's like what I hit. And it was not hard to fix, but it was like, you know, more stuff to do. That's kind of the final frontier for Shift. We, we've really paved, you know, the road on all of the other categories and, and even to an extent the category of package dependencies but i think the next major hurdle and one that i may start doing for like core laravel packages like cashier for example is also either making a separate shift for those or starting to include that again with these longer release cycles yeah it's a little scary from a revenue perspective but it's really cool from a development perspective because now i have you know 11 months to go build you know, to go improve shift and make it even cooler for Laravel 10. So like, even though they might say these things are only maintenance releases and all the features are trickled out over the year, sure. But you're not necessarily adopting them. You know, you're not going and getting those every week. And again, if shift has new features that it can do, then there's still the appeal of going to use it. Like, why not? Right. Neat. Um... So I do want to, I do want to tackle that to your point and it may not get all the all the way down to every package ever made, but maybe some of like, yeah, maybe some of the first party Laravel ones and maybe some of the really, really common ones from Spassi or mm -hmm. 
core dependencies like .nv, maybe we start to look at things like that too. Well, even the even the first party ones are numerous, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a yeah lot there's a lot there. And we, we do for the most part, and that is something starting probably with Laravel 6 that shift is a lot better about. It will at least bump your dependency. Mm -hmm. So like it'll, it'll update Composer. So hopefully you can go ahead and run Composer update. Now it does warn you in the PR like, hey, you might have to go you know, look and see if there's any upgrade steps for these, but yeah. Does it handle any stuff with uh, mix? Cause I've, yeah. I've always done shift and I just left mix alone. Cause I'm just scared to touch the Node.js like dependency stuff. I think with <laughs> mix six, we started doing more there. So it will, it will bump, excuse me. It will bump you to mix six and Wait. update like NPM to be correct and have all the right scripts for, for mix six. And I see that there's also the tailwind shifts also, which is really cool. I actually need to do that myself. Yeah, that was kind of the Rails substitute. The Rails one, once once we found out we were pregnant and once COVID hit, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, Rails might be a bit daunting right now. Right. So we, Jess and I went for the tailwind shifts instead. Cool. I have to try Plus it out. I feel I'm like there's more, there's more crossover, like kind of bringing it into the business side of things. Like... I felt like there was a lot more of a crossover market, of course, between Laravel and Tailwind than there would be for Laravel and Rails. Mm -hmm. So they're not used a whole lot. I think they're still worthwhile, but um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I still need to kind of poke Adam to maybe see if I can get on his podcast or something to to talk about them. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm just looking at those right now. I need to do that. The Tailwind three one because I'm in Tailwind two and. Like it's fine, but like, you know, the latest yeah. is better. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> exactly. Those are really good too, because they get back to the core of what shift was, which is really just a lot of search and replace. You know, I mean, even Adam will say that on Twitter a lot, like, oh, here, here's this regex I did to change all my colors, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, like shift does that <laughs> for you. That's what it's good at. The other thing I've been curious about is the shift for Docker. And I don't know, is that just like shift that is is packaged up in a docker container and then like we can run it locally is that yeah, kind of like exactly. your enterprise plan where like it's kind of like on-premise exactly you know right away we supported github bitbucket and gitlab and those are of course the cloud-based services now there is on-premise github there is on-premise gitlab of course is an open source offering so immediately i was getting those questions oh does this work for my you know self-hosted GitLab, does this work for our enterprise GitHub? And for about a year, the answer was no, you know, push it to a temporary repository, private, you know, on Bitbucket at the time, I think was the only one that supported free private repos. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, push it to Bitbucket, private, run shift, kill it, you know, you're good to go. And, you know, that's something else we may stumble into. But ironically enough, I found when working on shift that not everybody really knew Git that well. <laughs> so it's one of those things where like, that was almost too many steps. Again, going back to that friction, it was too much friction. So once I got familiar with Docker, I started to think, and I might even pinged you about a few questions every now and then, but like, it was just like, well, I could just package this up in like a FAR and have it download to a, you know, base image and and just let you run it locally you know and and when docker desktop was on the mac i think around that time it was like yeah okay i'm gonna build these so instead of like trying to support this never-ending list of of git hosts that you know 
may or may not have an API, may or may not be open, maybe firewall protected. Here's Docker, just go run it. It satisfies all use cases of, you know, connectivity issues, but also just privacy issues like NDAs or paranoia, you know? Right. So have you ever worried, like, is the code encrypted or anything in that? Or No, it's really just in a FAR, but the FAR is individual to the one you want to run. So at this point, you'd have to buy, what, 35 <laughs> right. shifts to have the whole code base. And even mm -hmm. then, you wouldn't really have all of it. Right. That's funny. So, I mean, you're going you're gonna to spend like $4,000 because the Docker shifts are, you know, slightly more for that privacy support premium mm -hmm. that you're going to get. Like, so, you know, it's just, I don't know. If somebody wanted to do it, like, have at it. You right. Know? At work, it's not like you're did. gonna do much. It's not like you're gonna launch that. I mean, you would get fried by the community. Like, yeah, it's just not sure. gonna look good. Yeah, especially this service. I feel like you built a good moat around it. Like, it's, this isn't the type of thing where copycats could really come by and and take it. Like a more kind of generic, I don't know, like email provider app or something. Yeah, I mean, your best copycat really is just the biggest competitor we have are just people wanting to upgrade themselves because. Mm -hmm they look at it like a learning opportunity or they don't value their time or whatever you want to look at it as like that's that's the competitor it's not i don't think right. it's ever going to be someone else well it's really neat that it's grown to support you full time and even you know provide for jesse too that's awesome yeah yeah i mean it's it's one of those things that it definitely was scary the first year because i left a consulting position at Papa John's, which has, at the time they had a hub locally, their, their business hub was here. And that first year, like I made half of what I was making as a consultant right. through shift. So it was, it was a little scary, but it, it was still enough, you know, it was still fine. It took about two years to really pass that salary. And I remember listening to like Justin Jackson a lot. And, you know, at the time he was like sharing articles of people like who looked at five years of being an entrepreneur and looked at five years of, of at staying at their job and they would have come out ahead at their job, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think over time I've realized that that's a narrow vision, especially now that I'm a parent. Like it's one of those things that, that doesn't factor in that maybe I'm only working 10 hours a week that week. And I get to, I get to spend time, you know, as daddy daycare, right? Like, or I can go woodworking like while she's taking a nap or something, you know, mm -hmm. or we can travel more before all of this. So it's like one of those things that it's, it's a narrow look. Like it only, again, it only looks at the money aspect and you know, that's important in the world we live in, but like, it's not the only thing that should matter. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like, this is kind of the dream. It's, I think, I mean, that's at least what I tell myself I'm working towards, but right now I'm working like a job and then other stuff on the side after the kids go to bed. But I remind I'm myself every now and then that you're, that you're still at Userscape. I, I listened to the first episode the other day when it was released, just kind of preparation. And, you know, I like listening to podcasts in the community, but, but yeah, it, it's a lot. I mean, when I was, when I was still working the day job and doing shift for about two years, it was one of those things where like, it was nice extra income at first. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just never saw it being a full-time thing. I really, I really never did. So cool. Well, it goes to show you, you keep hammering away. Stuff can happen. Yeah. And, and kind of to the point of that first episode, like, I think it's good to talk and share some of those. I've, I've tried to do that more in the last year. Now that I've felt like shift has kind of hit this 
recognizable level of like a million in revenue. Like it's one of those things where I think it's good to share the story that it's not overnight. You know, this is six right. years. This, this was, you know, two or three years as a side project, you know, this, this was, you know, struggling with price increases and, and scale and, you know, technical challenges too, but, but really more business challenges of, of like, how do I market this? What do I price this at? You know, do I move into other product categories like rails? You know, when, when do these things happen? Should I have done those? Like, you know, just a lot of different questions that, that come into it. So it's, it's just not an overnight thing. Like I think shift is good evidence and lens towards the adage of like slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'll try something like rails after maybe after the kid's a little older? <laughs> Not anymore. It was kind of funny. I was watching the Laravel documentary the other day and I, I kind of put this on, on my avatar. So here's kind of the inside um, story here. But I loved that line where Taylor said, like, you know, this is going to be like the Titanic. Like, I'm, I'm going to be playing the violin the on the way down. And, and I messaged him and, and I was like, dude, I, I love that. And so I changed my, my Twitter little, you know, prepend or appended uh, the little avatar of, of a violin because mm. that's kind of where I am with shift like it's definitely going to be my last kind of php laravel career endeavor i mean I'm, I'm sure i'll always code in some regard but you know it's going to be more like my scheduling system for my woodworking shop it won't be like <laughs> right rail shift you know what i mean that reminds me it's just just remembered that you do i don't know if you did maybe past tense like a bunch of stock options type trading stuff are you still doing that yes so that is the exit strategy for me. Right. I think I think when Laravel goes down, to Taylor's point, I will go down playing the violin with him. And, you know, I might make a shift that goes to whatever the next big thing is, but that's it. I won't be I won't be trading boats, you know, I won't be jumping ship on the Titanic to to the other ship. Like mm -hmm. it's just gonna I'm gonna go down with it. So yeah, but the point to your question, that that's really what it is. Right now I'm trying to take and save as much as I can from shift to build basically my retirement fund. Right. Um, you know, as, as a solopreneur, I don't have necessarily a 401k that's matched by a company. So all of that has to come from me. Now there are, you know, like self-employment plans and things that, that I do, but again, I'm not getting any extra money for retirement right. from anywhere. Yeah, no free money from the from the employer. Yeah, which which if you get that, you need to take advantage of that. Is is kind of the sub point. But I, I've I've invested probably for as long as I've coded, and it's one of those things that I've made all the mistakes at this point. <laughs> so now that fortunately now that I have you know I guess more money to invest, I'm I'm a little better with it, and so I'm hoping I'm hoping to grow, you know, the gains that I've made from Shift, you know, in things like the stock market. Yeah. So are you doing kind of more safer mutual fund stuff or are you kind of having some, do you have like a, a some fun money fund or to, to do bigger bets or I guess more risky bets, not necessarily bigger? I I probably am more risky than I should be now, now that I, I guess I'm married and a, and a family man, the wife has definitely taken an interest in, <laughs> in that. And, uh, you know, once, once more index funds, once, once more stability. So some mm -hmm. of the, some of the drawdowns during COVID and, you know, some of the political stuff. And then of course now with, with things with the Ukraine, like she doesn't really like that pain. She doesn't like seeing the portfolio down, mm, yeah. you know, 20% in a day. 
That makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I see opportunity there because I'm not near retirement yet, but I also don't have a lot of free cash to dump into the stuff right now. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, me too. I, I look at that and be like, okay, goes, goes another three or 4% lower and I'm putting everything in this, mm -hmm. you know, but she's like, I want out. And right. I know that that's actually like the bad choice after, again, after all the years in it. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that that is going to give me enough that maybe in two, three, four, however many years, you know, shift starts to either be used less or, or maybe Larabelle is in general used less. Um, you know, hopefully that will be built up enough where maybe it can compensate for mm -hmm. that salary loss. So right. to speak. Cool. A little bit of the, the fire stuff there, right? To yes. start living off of what's the word I'm looking for? Not interest to live off dividends. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing, dividend heavy portfolio lately. And, and that's been really good because Ironically, in, in, a, in an inflationary market, um, those stocks actually become your growth stocks. So, mm -hmm. you know, you might have once been in them for the dividend, but now everyone's running to them because they want to beat, you know, inflation. Interesting. Okay. I didn't, I didn't put that piece together. Okay, cool. I love personal finance stuff. That could be a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, well, telegram me anytime. I, I love talking about it. Cool. So I have my side business is, which is like a mix of screencast stuff, right? Courses and whatever Chipper CI brings in. None yeah. of it has replaced a salary yet. Although some years of courses it could have, but I never quit, which has ended up being good because once I had kids, I had so much less time. I never made the transition to full-time courses and yeah. stuff, which I mean, there's an argument made. There's two years where it made more than my salary where I should have maybe, but I didn't. I don't know if I regret that. I don't really do that. I kind of, I kind of like userscape a lot that kind of thing but oh, the point yeah. of getting to the finance side is that i've actually maybe three years ago started maxing out the 401k and you know like that's not all matched from from userscape but i've just maxed out the sure. full like nineteen thousand or twenty thousand or whatever because the income even on the years that's been bad for courses and stuff is has made up for that loss of that loss of quote-unquote income from putting so much into the 401k so I'm really yeah. riding that boat as much as I can to like just keep saving as much as I can. Some months that actually makes it feel a little tight, depending on how high the credit card bill is. But I also I always know it's just like money I'm saving because I put money to like a non-retirement account and stuff too. So I I know like I'm actually saving a bunch, so I could always like go back or do less if I need to. It's just really nice to have like kind of an asset on the side that's like even if it's not your full-time income, it's really nice to have something that's giving you the ability to save. You know, if you're not yeah. the type of person, if you're the type of person who can control your spending and like, I don't, I don't think we're especially good at budgeting or anything in my household, but it's like, we can, I still save a lot, like as yeah. much as I can. So. I'm super minimalist. If it, if we're going to break down the spending and hopefully, you know, Ashley's not listening to this, but yeah, she, <laughs> she definitely spends for us. I'm, I'm just a minimalist. I mean, as you can tell, I got the conference t-shirt on, you know, hey. I'm wearing, you know, sweatpants. I mean, this is this is probably the only thing I've bought in the last, you know, year. So right. But yeah. Anyway, it's it's uh, that's kind of one of the tricks, I guess you could say, that I've I've had that's helped over the years. Is you know, generally speaking, in tech, you do get a good salary. So I think if you can be prudent, you know, or or a little frugal, and really only spend on the things you want, like you, you can build a savings pretty quickly. I mean, not necessarily anymore with family, of course I get it, but in general, that was always kind of step one. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely gotta not spend all you make and put it somewhere. 
Yeah. I also like how I use Wealthfront for my non-retirement stuff. And that actually lets you take a loan out against it. And the interest rate was super low, I found. I just did this one in the last year to help pay for uh, some stuff in Chipper CI. Um, and the interest is really low. And you just pay it back. And instead of money going into the account, increasing the amount of shares and, and stuff you own, funds you own, it just pays back the loan. And then once you finish paying that back, then you know it start, you start buying yeah. um, the funds again, which is really handy. Um, That's interesting. Cause I didn't, sorry, sorry. I, I was going to say that that's interesting. Cause, cause again, I listened to episode one, just, just the other day and I didn't realize that you had bought Chipper CI. I get all the emails and I actually, actually read them, but it's one of those things where I must've missed that or, or maybe it wasn't. You I know. didn't really, we didn't really announce it or anything. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was totally clear or not, but it, it is now. So it, it's interesting to me, I guess on, on the topic of finance, but, but bringing it into a little bit of like chipper and stuff like it's interesting that I guess you bought out David or, or he wanted to be bought out. Like if it were me, I probably would have just been like silent partner, like maybe a little bit of a buyout, but like, I probably would have kept, you know, to the point of that dividend, you know, I might've just mm -hmm. said, Hey, I'll, I'll be a silent 20% owner and, and you just take the helm the rest of the way. That almost happened. Um, oh, okay. And then David wanted to get out completely for, you know, yeah. whatever reason he decided to do that. You know, it was a long conversation. I had brought it up to him a while ago because we had both not been working on it for so long. I had asked him if he was interested in that because I knew courses felt tough to me at the time and like, you know, two kids and everything and the amount of time I'd have to actually record where it's quiet enough to do that is not as much. Although then I made Cloudcast anyway, but that's besides the point. But um, yeah. so we'd had a conversation about it and said, yeah, that could probably work out. Um, and then nothing happened with it, really. I started making Cloudcasts. I actually had an idea in my mind to you do Cloudcasts and, and use that money to help pay for uh, a potentially, you know, going forward with that plan. Um, so that is actually ended up how it, how it worked out. The timing gotcha. was different. Like, I didn't, I didn't know if we were ever actually going to do the plan, but like David reached out and said, yeah, actually, it's, I want um, to get out of this, basically. So gotcha. we did that and now I own it. So that's, that's been fun. It's been fun because I got kind of renewed energy to, to work on it. And I've been pounding away on it ever since. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot more of those emails and like features come across. And of course on Twitter, um, you know, you talking about the YAML build a, a little while back. So yeah, all sorts of stuff. What What's kind of like the, um, sorry, I'm, I'm taking point here on a couple of questions. Wow, please do. Sorry. That's great. <laughs> so what, what, what did the, like, payback so to speak timeline look at like obviously you kind of did a lump sum but like did you kind of look and say okay well if chipper keeps its current growth i'll have this expense recovered in 18 months or something right like that. and did it was you, it's actually something that? close to that yep oh, okay it wasn't it wasn't too too long so i did a mix of money from i i took a, a small loan out from the the start stuff i had in wealthfront because the terms mm -hmm. were so good and because it just reduces you know I actually want to have sure. some cash around. I don't want to just like get rid of all the cash. And then, but it was all lump sum to David after that. And then it was, it was, I forget exactly what it was. It was like 18, 20 months, something like that for a payback gotcha. period. Like the MMR on it is, it's not super high, but it's in the thousands. And I'm just trying to see if I can grow it. It's been there for so long because um, we stopped working on it for probably a year or something. We didn't do much other than maintenance and support. But it was growing before that, and then it had a plateau, and then that, it kept at that plateau. It didn't drop, or it went even went up a little bit. So like the the yeah, turn yeah. is really low, which is nice. So now I'm just trying to put effort into it to see if 
see if I can get some results from that. And it's like early signs are decent, but I think the pricing needs a lot of work and I'll, and I like a few extra features to go with that. So that's what I'm yeah. working on next. So the work, the features I'm building out and the ones that I haven't talked about yet are uh, happening. And then there's going to be a pricing change. So it'll be, I think a lower price point. I mean, there's definitely going to be a, a lower price point to make it easier to get started with it. And then you can increase with at various stages, but the pricing stuff is hard. There's like, there's, I have a bunch oh, yeah. of decisions to make. A lot of CI applications now build, bill you on like a credit system. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't just do an amount of money per build minute, although GitHub does that. But a lot of them have a credit system and you eat away at the credits. And if you choose a larger server, you, you know, it takes more credits per minute per build minute. Does that make sense? Yeah. Than like a smaller server. So like, and like on the smallest tier, you might use like circle CI uses like two credits per minute on their smaller tier. And then like that goes up to like 50 credits a minute on their bigger tiers because your servers are a lot bigger. And I kind of like that because that aligns what I think is the valuable part for a, a customer, right? Like running builds and, and you know, however long your build takes, it takes and like yeah. the server size and stuff. And it also aligns with the cost of like running infrastructure to run builds. But I really don't think developers and maybe like developer managers like the price uncertainty necessarily necessarily that goes along with that. Sure. That makes sense. So I'm still leaning towards like just kind of a straight pricing plan that, that has like a lower kind of easy to start on tier, kind of like how Forge has a lower one that's easy to start on. And then jump up from there to get more features and, you know, at a higher cost essentially. And then, you know, have a few tiers so you can go from like in the tens, 15 range ish, up to 50, up to hundred, up to 200, something like that per month. Is that builds or projects or that is, the, that is the price dollar price. And then you'd get, you know, oh. I, I haven't, I haven't pinned down what that would be probably more, probably I'm thinking leaning towards like limiting how many private projects you could have. And then also builds until you get to a certain tier, then you get unlimited builds. And then there's other features like if Docker is offered and available to you, because Docker is like another server I have to spin up so that Docker is not on the same server as the build one for security reasons. And gotcha. so there's more infrastructure that, that goes into that. So all sorts of things like that. That was actually a mistake I made on the Shifty plans, which is like a subscription to Shift. So you just, again, you kind of pay one low price and you can run whatever shifts are included with that plan or you know, of course, there's an everything plan, so you can run any shift that we ever make. But I've noticed, i kind of taken a closer look at that with, with Laravel 9, and, and again, the, the changing of the release cycles, I had to kind of revisit the duration of that plan. But it's kind of funny, because like, there's a huge gap. Most of the quote-unquote unlimited plans maybe have like 10 or less repos that are on that plan. But there's maybe like 3% of the subscribers that have hundreds of repos on <laughs> this plan. And I mean, they're just, it just, I wouldn't have imagined. I mean, it makes sense if you're a web agency or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you probably have a crap load of them, but like, it's one of those things where like, I, you know, now it's like, what do I do? Do I suddenly introduce a unlimited plus plan? Like it says right. unlimited, like how do you have that? So, I mean, I think I just live with it, but it's one of those things that, that was kind of funny when I actually did some stuff. Right. When you look at it, you're like, oh geez. I kind of had and a I'm, moment like that looking at, at how people use Chipper too, which is, has gone into it. I think what you yeah. could do is grandfather people into the older plans and then restructure pricing for newer customers, which kind yeah. of, is, you know, it's fair to people who have done it. You don't surprise them with like, oh, by the way, you're getting bumped up to this plan. 
at the end of the day, like I'm not, I'm not super worried about it because it's, it's probably not as resource intensive as, as chipper, of course, but it just kind of made me think like, I can probably foot that, but like you would have a server cost potentially of like them running builds, you know, right. for all that. So of course you would have to think about that way more. It's just something I didn't think about mm -hmm. until I saw it. Yeah, so. I definitely, yeah. There's like, there's really interesting to have, like, you can kind of calculate a cost per, per customer, cost per build type thing, which I actually really haven't done down to like a real payment. Yeah. It gets a little mixed up because people are, are multiple builds are running on one server. So it's like. Something I was curious weird. about with Chipper, because I've kind of watched it from the beginning and it was a little, I think it was extra interesting to me because at the time. I was working on the test generator and the test generator was kind of one of the first shifts that actually more or less built your project because it needed to run migrations to figure out model factories. It needs to run artisan to figure out your route lists. So like it actually had to, you know, more or less run your application, it had to mm -hmm. do composer install, had to do all these things that you probably are very familiar with, you know, to build, a, you know, a CI tool. And so that's why I, you know, I definitely reached out to you in the beginning, you probably remember. And, and I think I even talked to Hempel about like a bit of a partnership in there somewhere because it was just like, it felt really, there was a lot of synergy. I felt like that could mm -hmm. be there. But I also remember at the time that like GitHub Actions kind of started becoming more popular. Yeah. And I don't think you guys had quote unquote, like officially launched. I think you guys had like a very long beta period, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've launched a, a Laricon and then, then it was like a paid or a credit card upfront trial, which essentially was the beta period because gotcha. we, we did that. So we wouldn't get it like a ton of, which is laughable <laughs> yeah. to, to try to live it aside ups, but, but we did at the beginning because I, I was really unsure if the build system was going to stand sure. up to, and it actually, I, I had to rebuild the build system like a month, a few months after that. The, yeah. So the, the prudent thing makes sense. I guess my question was more, you said that you guys kind of both really weren't working on it there for a little bit. Do you feel that was because you didn't see it growing the way you wanted? Was what, Did life just get in the way? Like what created that pause? I'm curious. Definitely life got in the way. We were both working on stuff. You know, I have a job and I was, I wanted to do some more course stuff because it wasn't like it took off and it kept growing. It wasn't like the Justin Jackson, like, you know, what yeah. he says about like the, the market makes it very obvious. It like, it felt like that at first, but then we had that plateau and then it didn't. And then yeah. uh, David had Nova, Nova, you know, makes good revenue. And then I had a job and other course stuff to work on too, to kind of like keep up the past years of, of course revenue to keep that going essentially. So it got really hard to, um, keep working on it so yeah uh, uh life got in the way is the correct and accurate answer to that and then gotcha. now i've kind of i mean I've, I've i don't know about course i still like doing the course stuff and putting out content and stuff and that kind of thing but i see more potential i think i've changed my mind and i see a bunch more potential in a SaaS application in the long term just because of that recurring revenue where like you know if people are in the door and you've already done the hard work of getting people in the door and they're paying monthly or yearly so yeah um that makes so sense. we'll see it's a bit of a gamble i don't know if it'll be the right choice or not but i'm not gonna i'm gonna basically gonna give it a year or so and kind of see what happens especially after this pricing change because if if that happens and i and nothing like moves the needle doesn't move at all then i'm kind of like i don't know what i'll do i have to make a tough decision then 
I mean, I guess just I can, let it, it'll be a tough let it decision. ride. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it'll, that's why it's a tough decision because maybe there's more I could do, or maybe the market for this thing specific to Laravel isn't the right move, or maybe it should just, maybe it shouldn't be specific to Laravel and should be like everything, in which case there's more work to do. And then yeah, maybe trying to get funding or something. I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting idea too, but I don't know. Whoa. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, would... I don't know if I'm built for that. Oh uh, yeah. That but, would scare yeah. me. I don't know if it would be VC funding either. It might be like a tiny seed type thing, but yeah, that's, knows? that's kind of the other aspect of shift is like, it's really nice for me. And, and another reason I'm not super worried about like eking out every penny on the dollar and pricing is because I can really give shift as much or as little time as I want. Like, and, and now again, on the positive side of the annual release cycles, like Jess and I literally worked on the Laravel nine shift in January. It launched in February and yeah, I make tweaks to it. I, I clean up some of the comments or I, I get user feedback, of course, but I'm really just in a support capacity now. And mm. that's a very finite thing, you know? So it's not like I have to go work on the Laravel nine shift anymore if I didn't want to. Right. You know, I do cause I like it and it's fun and I want it to be the best, but like the point is I, I am in total control of how much time I spend on it, but instead of letting it die like shift still lives on like I, I could do nothing on shift and it would it would probably still match you know my salary from a job right you know for probably two or three years nice that seems ideal and so <laughs> like yeah uh, so that's that's right where i want to be <laughs> right cool yeah don't rock that boat that seems right yeah exactly <laughs> especially with younger kids violin. yep cool okay we're at an hour so yeah. if it sounds good to you we can start wrapping up yeah yeah good Okay. I had a lot of fun with this. I could just keep going, man. These cats always get really good at the end too. <laughs> <laughs> get, you, get, you finally get flowing on the, exactly. on the conversation. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's do this. Where can people find you? So I'm gone dark on Twitter. That's probably where it'd be easiest to find me. But of course, shift laravelshift.com. Those emails always go to me. So, and I cool. answer pretty much every email. So never hesitate to send me something. Sounds good. All right. I will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on.